Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully.
Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the fifteenth, uh, the twelfth chapter. By the way, welcome to those of you who are here for the first time and or who are here rarely. Glad to see you this morning. Jesus is speaking in this. He says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and we'll come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, folks, you know in our world today, there's a lot of anxiety. I guess I can define anxiety. That's a generalized fear that something bad is going to happen in the future. Anxiety and fear are so related. Adults, teens, and even children often speak of being fearful about things that might happen. We worry about the future and we worry about what's happening across the world, even things happening on the other side of town. Today I'll be getting into the causes of worry and the common reasons as well as psychological, physical, and spiritual reasons. I'm going to talk about all of these because as deeply mature Christians, we need to understand why we feel the way we do and what God can do about it. And I'll be giving advice on how to reduce and eliminate our worries and anxiety. Why do we worry so much? After all, we know that worry and anxiety make us eat more. The food generates a good feeling that calms the anxiety feeling. We know that when we worry, we eat, and when we eat, we put on weight. So why do we worry about things? Well, there's a simple explanation that most people are going to bring back to you. It's because the world is a dangerous place, and our news media and our social media remind us of the dangers daily. For example, we hear of a child being abducted on the way past a 7-Eleven in Loma Linda, California, and we freak out. Is Jimmy safely at school? We hear of a friend being stabbed at a state park, and we worry, is it no longer safe to go to that park? We read of a young woman dying from a brain-eating amoeba because she was swimming, and we worry about swimming. Is that safe? 
You know, you can find a lot of these stories on a thing called Inside Edition. It's on at 5.30 on WTAP. Ever watch it? The show carries stories that are intentionally designed to create fear of strangers and distrust of people we know. They love to cover stories of people kidnapping good-looking kids or teens, of strange shootings, of deaths due to diseases that very few people have ever heard of. But you know, they don't give us much context which would allow us to honestly determine what the risks are. They want us to assume that the places and situations are places and situations where we ourselves or our families, we'd find ourselves in. We don't realize that, for example, that around the Los Angeles suburb of Loma Linda, within about 10, 15 miles, there are as many people living in that area as in our entire state. We don't hear the whole story about the state park shooting and miss the fact that the friend was meeting a couple of men from Texas in a park at 2 o'clock in the morning. I wonder why. We don't hear that the young woman was swimming in a pond where the water temperature was 90 degrees and the pond was also filled with decaying logs and vegetation and sewage. But you know, there's other things in these stories that trigger our anxiety. Look at a recent example. This week, Speaker of the U.S. Congress Nancy Pelosi decided to visit Taiwan, and the Chinese government said they didn't want her there and threatened to do something if she did. Now, what they threatened to do was deliberately kept vague. And so for days, the news media managed to keep viewers tuning in and listening and watching so we could see how the drama played out. Would she actually go or not? Would the Chinese shoot down her plane? Would we go to war? Well, in the event, Pelosi landed safely in Taiwan and the people there cheered and China did little except send some ships and planes around the island and fired missiles into the sea. They cut off imports of cookies from Taiwan. But there's more to our anxiety, you know, than what the news media drums up. There's the excitement for many people of being the center of attention when we get to bring other people scary news or bad news. How many of us love to tell stories of bad things that have happened? How that storm broke down the the limbs in our front yard and how the police burst into a neighbor's house. How the plane we flew upon had a scary landing. Just last night our daughter was telling us about how the house next to her place burned down and there was some concern it would spread to her house. We even have a name for people who make the smallest incidents like a little bit of a love triangle into important, scary, dramatic productions. We call them drama queens. And so we listen carefully to all the news stories from the television and the radio, from Facebook, from our personal friends. And so, you know, a primary cause of anxiety is the steady diet of news. For the people who produce the news shows know that fear is the best way of getting you to come back. Fear, you see, is addictive. Now, I don't know about you, but I refuse to let people keep me awake at night when their primary concern is the number of people watching their show so they can charge their advertisers more. I refuse to let them have that control over my life. So why do we even bother to listen? Well, the psychologist will tell us that we listen to these scary stories so we can better survive. 
In ancient times, when most people lived in villages of a hundred people or less, when someone walked up to the community well and told everybody, my son was bitten by a poisonous snake in the raspberry patch on John Smith's land, it was important news because you knew where that raspberry patch was. And in fact, you'd planned to go pick raspberries there tomorrow morning. Knowing that there was a poisonous snake running around there meant that you'd take along a shovel or a hoe to protect yourself. And you'd pay much more attention to see if there was a snake slithering through the raspberry canes. Knowing about the snake was a matter of survival. But you know, today, how many of you plan to travel to Loma Linda, California and stop at a 7-Eleven store this summer or let your, your child walk past it? Probably no one who's listening to this sermon, even on the radio. But still, the psychologists tell us that we still pay attention as though that 7-Eleven store 2,500 miles away is the same as John Smith's raspberry patch where we were planning on going tomorrow morning to pick raspberries. Our minds want to listen. And so that story goes deep into our minds and our hearts and we get just a little bit more anxious because we've learned that there's another dangerous place in this world. In our story from Genesis, we can begin to get into spiritual issues involving anxiety. Abram, the man God would later rename as Abraham, he was growing old. His wife Sarai had not had any children and she was getting old. Abram was beginning to worry that he would never have any children and he wanted children very badly, especially sons. For in those days, brothers and sons were the only men you could really count on for help when you needed help. And in those days, a wealthy man like Abram needed help often because bandits would steal the livestock. They would steal your sheep and cattle and goats and anything else you had. And since there were no police, the only way to protect your goods was with the strength of your fighting men. And that mainly meant your adult, your adult sons. Yet Abram didn't have any children at all and he was getting old and he was fearful and anxious about this. But the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. God said, don't be afraid. I'm your shield and your very great reward. God told Abram that Abram should not be afraid since God would be his protection. Now Abram decided he'd go to the heart of his fear. Abram had plenty of time to think while he was watching the livestock and Abram had thought carefully about his fears. He knew he wasn't afraid of bears and lions. He knew he could handle them. He wasn't even afraid really of bandits because he just led an expedition with his servants and some friends to rescue his neighbor Lot from bandits so he knew he could handle the bandits. He wasn't even afraid of strange diseases because he was healthy and there weren't nearly as many diseases floating around in those days because he spent his time socially distanced out with his cattle and sheep and goats. Now Abram went to the heart of his fear what he had worked out during the hours and days he'd been alone with the livestock. He knew what he was scared of, and he spoke directly to God about his biggest concern. He told God that he had no children, and a man who lived several hundred miles away would inherit everything he had. For the heart of Abram's fear was not the local bandits, but the idea that he would die childless. Like many childless couples, Abram was worried that there was something wrong with him or his wife or both. He wanted and needed help as he got older, 
and there were no children to help him. Perhaps his real fear was that he would grow old and helpless and, he, and be left alone. When we grow anxious about things, when we're scared, when we're worried and fearful about the future, it often helps to sit and think for a while and ask ourselves, what are we truly worried about? Are we worried about a sudden death due to accident or an attack by a stranger? Are we worried about losing our jobs, which might mean the loss of good things? Are we worried about the loss of a loved one and what that would mean for us? Or are we worried about our own death because we've seen and heard about so many other people dying recently? It helps a lot to sit and think about what we're truly worried and anxious about and then it helps to speak directly to God about that fear. You know, our children deal with fear and anxiety every day, and they have little context to decide what's truly dangerous and what's not. I remember one evening when I was six or seven years old, I was listening to the radio one night, and I heard that the Boston Strangler had escaped from prison. Even that name's scary, isn't it? It was really scary to me at age six or seven. I didn't realize that the man had been in a prison in Massachusetts and that Massachusetts was a thousand miles away from St. Mary's. No, I went and I started peeking out the windows to see if he was sneaking around. He wasn't in our yard, but maybe he was. Maybe, maybe I was looking out the wrong windows. But my parents soon set my fears aside by calmly assuring me that the man was a long, long distance from us. Not only do our children overhear the news that we see and listen to, they also hear scary, scary stories from their friends at school and scary things from their teachers taught in the name of science and current events. And our children also have to deal with bullies, which we did back in the day ourselves, and whether the class leaders are going to accept us, you know, the beautiful kids, Bullies have always been around. Remember, Abram had to rescue his nephew from bandits. We knew, back in my day, which is a bit farther back than some of you and not back as far as others, but we knew back in the day those bullies are going to become criminals one day, and we accepted that because that's what our parents taught us. We knew that the bad kids would end up in prison and we'd all have good jobs. Today... We have an anxiety cause, though, that Abram didn't need to worry about. Because we have three common chemicals they didn't have back in Abram's day, and they all three cause anxiety. The first of these chemicals is nicotine. If you've ever been a smoker, you know that if you go very long without a cigarette, you get anxious. Nicotine causes that as it withdraws from our body. Abram didn't have to worry about this because there was no nicotine in his land. And the second chemical it's much more commonly used. That chemical's caffeine. We all know that caffeine's the active ingredient in coffee and ordinary tea, but it's also present in chocolate and colas and Mountain Dew and Orange Crush and even some root beers. And what does caffeine do? It speeds up the heart rate and it makes us more alert. In fact, it acts almost identical to a rush of adrenaline. That's the chemical that our body gives us when it's frightened. And so when we constantly drink coffee or tea or cola or eat chocolate, our body stays more alert to danger than it normally would. And that's great if we're driving home from Charleston at 11 o'clock at night. 
or we're working on third shift at the chemical plant, but you know it's not so good if we're trying to live a normal life because our body on caffeine behaves just the same as if we were constantly hearing a tiger walking through the trees around us. But when our body's on caffeine, we're alert. It's like, what was that I heard out there? Is that a tiger? We're looking for every source of danger. I first became aware of this anxiety with me about 10 years ago. I'd always drunk a lot of tea. I don't like the taste of coffee. But I finally realized that the caffeine in the tea was making me just a little bit nervous and a little bit anxious all the time. So I stopped. It took a few weeks, but I stopped my caffeine. No tea, no cola, no chocolate at the time. And an amazing thing happened. I began to lose weight. Because that little bit of anxiety that was caused by the caffeine had made me eat. For we eat when we're anxious because that imaginary tiger in the trees that we can barely hear might steal our food. It doesn't matter if you're one of those people who say, I can drink coffee all day and it never affects my sleep at night. That's just proof that you're really addicted to the caffeine. Ask your doctor. Cut out the caffeine and that subtle underlying anxiety will go away. And the third common chemical is sugar. When Abram wanted sugar, he had to go look for honey. It was rare. It was expensive. But modern-day, low-cost refined sugar wasn't available to after we discovered American mass production. You may have noticed that sugar speeds up our body. Not as much as caffeine, but still enough to cause children and many adults to feel alert. If we're too alert, that becomes anxiety. Too much sugar can cause anxiety. Too much sugar and caffeine, and you'll lay at night, awake at night worrying, even if there's nothing to worry about. And we know that a lack of sleep will make us even more anxious. So cut back on the sugar and caffeine and you'll find your anxiety will begin to melt. You'll sleep better and you'll lose weight. But you know Abram was anxious about not having any children. He was anxious and you can be anxious even without the news media or the modern anxiety producing chemicals. There's something scary you see about thinking that we're alone in this world trying to face everything without God's help. Abram had thought about his lack of children and figured out that this was the heart of his fears. But you know, Abram had encountered God before, and you probably have too. And so Abram told God about his fears. And then the word of the Lord came back to Abram. God took Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if you can count them. So shall your offspring be. There's going to be more children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren than the stars that you can count in the sky. And so Abram had to ask himself, could he believe God? Could he trust God? And he thought for a bit. And he thought about how God had told him to travel a thousand miles to the land of Canaan where he would find a good land where he could prosper. And he had. And he decided that yes, he could trust God. God's been good to you in the past. You can trust God too. The Bible says, Abram believed the Lord and God credited to Abram as righteousness. On the basis of this belief that God was telling the truth about his future family, God declared Abram to be a righteous man. Abram had faith in God and that was very important to God. It was on this basis that he declared Abram righteous. 
just on this basis, Abram trusted God. Do you trust God? The writer of Hebrews had comments on the faith of Abraham, of Abram, who became known as Abraham. He said, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what's seen was not made out of what's visible. Implication, it came out of nowhere. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Sometimes God asks you to go do something and you have no idea where you're going. By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered God faithful, the God who had made the promise. And so from this one man and him as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Jesus also told us to have faith that he would return. He said, talking about himself, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Have faith. In this faith, it's this faith in God that defeats our fear and anxiety. There is no need for anxiety when we deeply understand that God and Jesus are here for us. As Jesus said, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father's been pleased to give, a, give you the kingdom. So think this through. You know, we trust in the promises of someone when we know that they have the power to fulfill their promises. Do you believe that God has the power to fulfill His promises? But you know someone needs more than power before we'll trust in His promises. We also need to know that they have the integrity to fulfill their promises. Jesus' integrity, He cared so much for us to go to the cross and die there, even though He could have called upon 50,000 angels to release Him. Surely He cares enough for us to trust Him, he showed us that he has the power to overcome death. And he promised that those people who follow him will also overcome death and have eternal life. Notice he didn't base this promise on our goodness. He based it on his goodness and his integrity and his love for us. His promise was given to all who choose to follow him. Will you choose to follow Jesus? To learn about his teachings, his love, his life and follow his teachings? Eternal life awaits you. And you know, when we learn about Jesus and his life with that power and that integrity and that love for us, how can we not trust Jesus' promises, even the promise of eternal life? We can remove our anxiety somewhat from ourselves by getting rid of nicotine and caffeine and extra sugar from our lives. We can turn off the scary news stories, the scary Facebook posts, stop listening to the drama queens in our lives, but some anxiety may still remain, just as Abram never had news media or Facebook. He didn't have nicotine or caffeine or much sugar. But then, 
we turn to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we speak with them about our fears, we listen to their response. And by trusting God as Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, and the promises that have been made to all people who follow Jesus, they will remove all of our fears, including our fear of death. Call upon the name of Jesus to take away your fears and anxiety. After you have thought through what they are, call upon Jesus to remove those fears and anxiety. And after you've done this, what's there to be anxious of? Join us at the altar during this or during communion here in a moment to make a commitment to both God and yourself to get rid of your anxieties, to cast them upon God. Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the Give tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life. <laughs>